0: Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. Turn with me over to John chapter 9. John chapter 9, we've made it to the beginning of John chapter 9. We'll take a look at a message that I've called Blind Ambition, Blind Ambition. The blind or severely visually impaired in Idaho, number about 42,000 in counting. I read somewhere a while back that every 20 minutes, 24 hours a day, 365, someone new in America is either born with or experiences has an experience of blindness for the first time. That cause of blind, the causes of blindness are many, but the effects are very much the same. As most of you are aware of, my grandson, Kyler, was born blind. His cause is a disorder called septooptic dysplasia, which prevented his, the, the optic nerve that goes from his eye to uh, the brain to, uh, to fully develop. But as his grandmother and I have discovered along these many 16 years... There are so many resources, so many training programs for him, and the tools that assist him in assimilating into the world, and he's done so great uh, at at assimilating with enthusiasm and success. Many of you have blessed him with your loving friendship and encouragement these past years since he's uh, started at Restored Community Church about a year ago when he came to live with us. But what if you or I were born blind in 5 BC, where there was little or no help for us? No programs, no tools. McCain wouldn't be invented for some 1800 years. Not only would we be left to the darkness around us, we would be socially condemned for having been born blind due to some imaginary sin they believed, that we had committed, of which we had no memory. Our only hope for survival would be to take up begging at a major intersection where people would gather, and the men we're going to look at today decided to sit outside the temple grounds because lots of people came and went. How tragic and utterly wrong the world was until not that long ago, when society, mostly made up of, the, of women, took a compassionate stance for and began aiding the blind, being able to help them have a regular life out in the world, hold a job even, and be able to, to transport themselves around on buses, and it's a whole world that Debbie and I um, have come to know all too well. But this was not the case 2,000 years ago. Settle your mind now and see if you can hear this story, perhaps for the first time. Allow me to introduce you to a man whose name is lost to history, but is well known in the kingdom of God and by his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's right. While Jesus has healed perhaps thousands of people at this point in our series, some of which we have studied, this man is the first that we will read of to place his faith in Jesus. And it came at a great cost to him. The blind man's view of Jesus takes him on the road of grace that leads to salvation through the Messiah. And the journey of faith will leave him changed forever. We see this man's vision cured instantly, but his spiritual vision of who Jesus was came in waves after wave after wave. And we're going to take a look at those waves today. The first wave, the blind man sees Jesus as his healer. First, he sees Jesus as his healer. Let's begin reading our story for today in John chapter 9, verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he's still up in Jerusalem, he's, he's passing by this This uh, blind man outside the temple, Jesus is going in to teach when they come by this blind man. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. He had never seen. He doesn't know what a face looks like. He doesn't know what a tree looks like. He doesn't know what the temple looks like. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. The ignorant disciples only saw him as a handicapped man, as a subject of uh, perhaps a theological question they wanted to debate, rather than seeing him as an individual who needed mercy and grace. Verse 3, Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Obviously, this man and his parents had sinned, but Jesus is talking about they hadn't sinned to cause this blindness, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me, talking about his father, while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Here again, it's the Sabbath. <laughs> of all the days of the week that Jesus could perform miracles, he specifically chooses the Sabbath. Why? Because he wants to stir things up. He wants to show the Pharisees what the Sabbath truly is all about and what his heavenly father is all about. He wants to make the statement that people are more important than rules and regulations. So he specifically violates uh, these Pharisees' uh, view of the Sabbath. Jesus healed As I count three times that you read in the Gospels, he healed three blind people, but he never did it the same way. Not He never did it exactly the same way. He always did it differently. Once he merely touches a man's eyes and he can see. On another occasion, he, he spit into his hands and then he touched the person's eye and they could see. In John here, we see him making mud out of his spit on the ground, it wasn't about a formula, but rather about the person behind the formula, the healer, Jesus. Why would Jesus make mud out of dirt? I spent some time chasing this rabbit, and I never got an answer, so I realized I needed to make a U-turn and come back to my text. (laughs) But one thing that did occur to me is that clear back in Genesis 2, we read of when Adam uh, was made, he, what, what was he made of? Dirt and the breath of God. And I thought, well, maybe that's the answer. But we'll find out in heaven. I can wait. Mm-hmm. One thing we do know, however, he who was blind could now see. Yeah. Verse 8, therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said... Is not this he who sat and begged? Someone said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. It's not him. It's just somebody that looks like him. And he, the blind man, said, I am he. (laughs) Let me just settle this argument here. Therefore, they said to him, how were your eyes opened? Key in on that word how. We're going to hear it many times. How were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and I received sight. Pretty simple. Verse 12, Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. It's interesting that for the rest of this controversial story, two questions take center stage. Two questions. I like questions. When you're a police officer, half your job is asking questions. Who, what, where, when, why? Who All day long, who did this? What did they do? Do you know why they did this? But here's the two questions. Number one is, is this man the one who was blind? There's controversy about that. And then number two they keep asking how he was healed. The Pharisees fought to control the narrative to those two questions because they wanted to control the message behind them. They wanted to minimize Jesus and kill him. They've already said that. They, from that, several chapters ago, we learned that the Pharisees said, and they sought to kill him. They sought to murder Jesus from that moment on. They were looking to kill him Not make him a a famous and, and loved martyr of the masses. They needed the masses to hate him so that they could kill him. They didn't want a martyr. This sounds like the media today, doesn't it? Control the message, control the masses. Isn't that interesting? I've pondered that several times as I've studied through this. If the media controls the message, they control the masses and how they think. As a retired cop, there's one glaring problem with one of the questions here. Uh, They shouldn't be asking, how were you healed? They should be asking, who healed you? That should be the question. They're not going to ask that question. They don't want the answer to that question. It doesn't fit their narrative. It doesn't fit the spin they want to put on this. So they're not going to ask. They're going to ask how. How? This is a courtroom drama, by the way, now, because something, someone has violated the Sabbath, and we know who that someone is. They won't mention his name. They refuse to say his name now. And they call this blind man in because now it's going through Jerusalem. Now there's a problem. People now are raving about this blind man who, through a miracle, has been made to see. They've got to control the message. So they hold court. The blind man's spiritual eyes were opened to Jesus in waves. And the first wave, as we just looked at, he saw him as his healer. Then the second wave, the blind man saw Jesus as a prophet. Verse 13, they brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. They've got to get to the bottom of this. Now, it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes Then the Pharisees also asked him again, how, there's that word, not who, how he had received his sight. They knew how that had happened. They knew who did it. They didn't want to ask the who question. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. You see, at this point, can you imagine being blind your entire life? And then the second that you can see... You're going, whoa, this is great. And someone grabs you by the arm and goes, the Pharisees want to see you. Oh, okay, come this way. And so they lead him into a trial. This is the last place he wants to be. If it's me and I can see now, I want to run out and look. What does my mom look like? What's my dad look like? What's this temple look like that everybody goes to to worship at? You know, what's a tree look like? What's a river look like? I don't want to go out and see. I don't have time for this. And he pretty much bottom lines it. He says, hey, hey look, he put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Can I go now? You know? Verse 16, therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man, <laughs> they call Jesus this man, they don't want to call him by name, is not from God because, he's, because he does not keep the Sabbath their opinion. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. Uh, Some of the Pharisees are going, well, hold on. You're calling him a sinner. Sinners don't do things like this. How can a man be a sinner and do something like this? Where did he get his power from if not from God? And if he's from God, maybe we shouldn't be calling him a sinner. (laughs) And that's just the thought that begins to to roll out there. There were Pharisees, though. uh, They refused to see Jesus as anything but a lawbreaker because the alternative here is to see him as the Messiah, and they're not ready to hand over their power or their prestige yet. Hold on. Hold on. This This guy ain't the Messiah. He's from Galilee, you know. Nobody good comes from Galilee, Right. So they want to disparage him. They don't want to lift him up. That's the last thing they want to see happen here. Verse 17, they said to the blind man again, they don't like the answer, so let's ask it again. What do you say about him because he opened your eyes? What are you going to tell everybody? Because this is important. We can't have you out there saying Messiah. So the blind man said, he is a prophet. You have to hand it to this formerly blind man. He is not willing to see or speak anything but the truth here. You're only going to hear the truth from the blind man. You will hear no lies. You, you, you'll, you, you'll not hear him you know, almost tell the truth. There's no half-truth in this man. He's going to speak the truth, even though he knows that the men on the other side of that table do not want to hear it, and if I speak it, they're going to hate me for, for that. They're very powerful in their society, these Pharisees. Verse 18, But the Jews did not believe concerning him, they didn't, they didn't believe the blind man, that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son? who you say was born blind, they, they wanted to get to the bottom of this. They're hoping that they look over and go, that's not our son, but that's not what happens. How then does he now see? How? how? Who Not who healed him. They know by now who healed him, but they're not asking who, they're asking how. How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, Well, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed, that he was Christ, the Messiah, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, "Um, he is of age, ask him. They don't want to get involved in this. They know what the consequences of telling the truth are. They don't want to be kicked out of the synagogue. Synagogue was everything in their society. It was the hub of their wheel of life. Everyone came to the synagogue to worship. Everyone came to fellowship. Everyone came to hear teaching. Everyone needed to come to make a sacrifice for their sin. They didn't want to get kicked out. It's not a good deal. So they pass the buck. They deflect so they don't have to, to tell the truth. Listen, it's always better to fear God than to fear man. It always is, 100% of the time. Proverbs 29, 25 reveals this. The fear of man brings a snare or a trap. The fear of man brings a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. You know, a lot of times, you, you, know, you, gotta t- you have to tell the truth about God when, when asked. The truth will always set you free, the Bible says. But telling a lie will always bring a trap. The blind man's spiritual eyes were being opened to Jesus in waves here. First he saw him as a healer, then he saw him as the prophet. But now he's going to get hit by the third wave as he thinks about this. The blind man saw Jesus also as a man of God. Remember, this is a hearing in a courtroom, and the Pharisees are the, are the prosecutors with the high priest being the judge. He's going to rule over this at the very end. And that and, and these prosecutors, these Pharisees, want it to be in their favor, of course. They had a lot of power, and they were used to intimidating even the most schooled Jew, let alone this common beggar who they had no respect for. But this beggar has had enough of all these questions, and the court is about to get schooled like they had probably never been schooled before especially considering who the teacher was an uneducated beggar here comes verse 24 so they again called the man who was blind get bring him back in here they're going to ask him now for the third time but they're going to they're going to stick their finger in his face here we go the Pharisees are speaking Give God glory. I looked this up and I pulled it apart. And while it may seem like they're telling him to glorify God, what this is, it is an admonishment like you would admonish any witness in court. Do you swear to tell the whole truth? Nothing but the truth. So help you, God. That's what this literally means. This is where we got that from. Give God glory, meaning don't lie. Everything that comes out of your mouth now must give God glory. And then they perjure the witness. <laughs> we know that this man is a sinner. Wait, you can't say that in court. That'd be like standing up. How do you like to you know, start a trial that way? Hey, go ahead. Do you promise to tell the whole truth or nothing but the truth? Um, and we know this guy uh, did the crime. Don't you, aren't we supposed to talk about this first before we make that decision? No, they just want to run to the end. We know he's a sinner. So therefore, come along with us on this journey, and you're going to help us convict him. That's what they're telling him. They're giving him one more chance. He knows this. He knows exactly what this is about. So the blind man answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. He's had it. He's just gonna cut it off right there. Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? And here's that word, how. How did he open your eyes? He answered them again. Here it comes I told you already. And you did not listen. Whoa. Careful who you're talking to. This is the judge and the jury, you know. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciple? (laughs) A little, you know. He's had it with the questioning. He's told the truth three or four times now. And they don't want the truth. And he's not going to give him anything but the truth. You can keep asking the question, but I'm going to keep giving you the same answer. He, I was blind. This man told me, uh, he put mud on my eyes from his spit, told me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash it off. And, and the second that I put water on my eyes, I looked up and I could see twenty twenty. I don't know what you don't understand about this. Maybe you want to be his disciple. Go ahead and follow him. You can imagine how they react to this statement. Verse 28, then they, the the Pharisees, reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we, we're Moses' disciples. See, Moses was the highest human being that, you know, they revered Moses very highly. We know that God spoke to Moses. (laughs) That much we know. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. Is that a true statement? How many times now has Jesus said where he's from? How many times now has he said who he is? And they keep asking him, well, who are you? And Jesus is like, do you not understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Am I speaking a foreign language here? I've told you. So they're still claiming we do not know where he is from. The man, remember, this man is is a common beggar, blind since birth. He doesn't have the depth of schooling that most people have, let alone these Pharisees, and he's trying to school them. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing. You do not know where he is from. Yet he has opened my eyes. This is interesting, he looks at him. This truly is marvelous. This man goes around doing miracles? and <laughs> You don't even know where he's from. There's an air of suggestion that they're ignorant. Well, that went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> Verse 31, he continues, Now, we know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Sounds like this man's speaking from experience. Wait a minute. Hold on. You're saying he's a sinner, but God doesn't listen to sinners. He doesn't listen to their prayers. He doesn't do their will. But anyone that is a worshiper of God, holds God up in worship. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit restoredcommunitychurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to his word.